The Fairy Queen, Book Five, Canto One, by Edmund Spencer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Copeland. The Fifth Book of the Fairy Queen Containing the Legend of Artegall, or of Justice so oft as i with state of present time the image of the antique world compare when as man's age was in his freshest prime and the first blossom of fair virtue bear such odds i find twixt those and these which are as that through long continuance of his course meseems the world is quite run out of square from the first point of his appointed source and being once amiss grows daily worse and worse for from the golden age that first was named it's now at erst become a stony one and men themselves the which at first were framed of earthly mould and formed of flesh and bone are now transformed into hardest stone such as behind their backs so backward bred were thrown by pyrrha and deucalion and if than those may any worse be read they into that ere long will be degenerate let none then blame me if in discipline of virtue and of civil uses lore i do not form them to the common line of present days which are corrupted sore but to the antique use which was of yore when good was only for itself desired and all men sought their own and none no more when justice was not for most meed out hired but simple truth did reign and was of all admired for that which all men then did virtue call is now called vice and that which vice was height is now height virtue and so used of all right now is wrong and wrong that was is right as all things else in time are changed quite nay wonder for the heaven's revolution is wandered far from where it first was pight and so do make contrary constitution of all this lower world toward his dissolution for whoso list into the heavens look and search the courses of the rolling spheres shall find that from the point where they first took their setting forth in these few thousand years they all are wandered much that plain appears for that same golden fleecy ram which bore phrixus and helle from their stepdame's fears hath now forgot where he was placed of yore and shouldered hath the bull which fair europa bore and eke the bull hath now his bow-bent horn so hardly butted those two twins of jove that they have crushed the crab and quite him borne into the great nemean lion's grove so now all range and do at random rove out of their proper places far away and all this world with them amiss do move and all his creatures from their course astray till they arrive at their last ruinous decay he is that same great glorious lamp of light that doth illumine all these lesser fires in better case and he keeps his course more right but is miscarried with the other spheres for since the term of fourteen hundred years that learned ptolemy his height did take he is declined from that mark of theirs nigh thirty minutes to the southern lake that makes me fear in time he will us quite forsake 
and if to those egyptian wizards old which in star read were one to have best in sight faith may be given it is by them told that since the time they first took the sun's height four times his place he shifted hath in sight and twice hath risen where he now doth west and wested twice where he ought rise aright but most is mars amiss of all the rest and next to him old saturn that was wont be best for during saturn's ancient reign it said that all the world with goodness did abound all loved virtue no man was afraid of force ne fraud in white was to be found no war was known no dreadful trumpet sound peace universal reigned amongst men and beasts and all things freely grew out of the ground justice sate high adored with solemn feasts and to all people did divide her dread behests most sacred virtue she of all the rest resembling god in his imperial might whose sovereign power is herein most expressed that both to good and bad he dealeth right and all his works with justice hath bedight that power he also doth to princes lend and makes them like himself in glorious sight to sit in his own seat his cause to end and rule his people right as he doth recommend dread sovereign goddess that dost highest sit in seat of judgment in the almighty's stead and with magnific might and wondrous wit dost to thy people righteous doom read that furthest nations fills with awful dread pardon the boldness of thy basest thrall that dare discourse of so divine a reed as thy great justice praised over all the instrument whereof lo hear thy article canto one article trained in justice lore Irene's quest pursued he doth avenge on sanglier his lady's blood imbrued though virtue then were held in highest price in those old times of which i do entreat yet then likewise the wicked seed of vice began to spring which shortly grew full great and with their boughs the gentle plants did beat but evermore some of the virtuous race rose up inspired with heroic heat that cropped the branches of the scient base and with strong hand their fruitful rankness did deface such first was bacchus that with furious might all these before untamed did overrun and wrong repressed and established right which lawless men had formerly fordone there justice first her princely rule begun next hercules his like example shewed who all the west with equal conquest won and monstrous tyrants with his club subdued the club of justice dread with kingly power endued and such was he of whom i have to tell the champion of true justice Artigal, whom as ye lately most remember well an hard adventure which did then befall into redoubted peril forth did call that was to succor a distressed dame whom a strong tyrant did unjustly thrall and from the heritage which she did claim did with strong hand withhold grantorto was his name wherefore the lady which irena hight did to the fairy queen her way address to whom complaining her afflicted plight she her besought of gracious redress 
that sovereign queen, that mighty empress, whose glory is to aid all suppliants poor, and of weak princes to be patroness, chose Artigal to write her to restore, for that to her he seemed best skilled in righteous lore. For Artigal in justice was upbrought even from the cradle of his infancy, and all the depth of rightful doom was taught by fair Astrea with great industry, whilst here on earth she lived mortally. For till the world from his perfection fell into all filth and foul iniquity, Astrea here, amongst earthly men, did dwell, and in the rules of justice them instructed well. Whilst through the world she walked in this sort, upon a day she found this gentle child amongst his peers playing his childish sport, whom seeing fit, and with no crime defiled, she did allure with gifts and speeches mild to wend with her. So thence him far she brought into a cave, from company exiled, in which she nursled him, till years he wrought, and all the discipline of justice there him taught. There she him taught to weigh both right and wrong in equal balance, with due recompense, and equity to measure out along, according to the line of conscience, when so it needs with rigor to dispense, of all the which, for want there of mankind, she caused him to make experience upon wild beasts which she in woods did find, with wrongful power oppressing others of their kind. Thus she him trained, and thus she him taught, in all the skill of deeming wrong and right, until the ripeness of man's years he wrought, that even wild beasts did fear his awful sight, and men admired his overruling might. Nay, any lived on ground that durst withstand his dreadful hest, much less him match in fight, or bide the horror of his reekful hand, when so he list in wrath, lift up his steely brand. Which steely brand, to make him dreaded more, she gave unto him, gotten by her slight, and earnest search, where it was kept in store in Jove's eternal house, unwist of white, since he himself it used in that great fight against the Titans that while Om rebelled against highest heaven. Chryseor it was height, Chryseor, that all other swords excelled, well proved in that same day when Jove those giants quelled. For of most perfect metal it was made, tempered with adamant amongst the same, and garnished all with gold upon the blade in goodly wise, whereof it took his name, and was of no less virtue than of fame. For there no substance was so firm and hard, but it would pierce or cleave, whereso it came. Nay, any armor could his dint outward, but wheresoever it did light, it throughly shard. Now when the world with sin gan to abound, Estria, loathing linger here to space amongst wicked men, in whom no truth she found, returned to heaven, whence she derived her race where she hath now an everlasting place amongst those twelve signs which nightly we do see, the heavens bright shining baldric to enchase, and is the virgin, sixth in her degree, and next herself her righteous balance hanging be. But when she parted hence, she left her groom, an iron man, which did on her attend always to execute her steadfast doom, and willed him with Artigal to wend and do whatever thing he did intend. His name was Talus, made of iron mole, immovable, resistless, without end, who in his hand an iron flail did hold, with which he threshed out falsehood, and did truth unfold. 
he now went with him in this new inquest him for to aid if aid he chanced to need against that cruel tyrant which oppressed the fair irena with his foul misdeed and kept the crown in which she should succeed and now together on their way they been when as they saw a squire in squalid weed lamenting sore his sorrowful sad tine with many bitter tears shed from his blubbered eyne to whom as they approached they espied a sorry sight as ever seen with eye an headless lady lying him beside in her own blood all wallowed woefully that her gay clothes did in discolour die much was he moved at that rueful sight and flamed with zeal of vengeance inwardly he asked who had that dame so foully dight or whether his own hand or whether other white ah woe is me and well away quoth he bursting forth tears like springs out of a bank that ever i this dismal day did see full far was i from thinking such a prank yet little loss it were and mickle thank if i should grant that i have done the same that i mote drink the cup whereof she drank but that i should die guilty of the blame the which another did who now is fled with shame who was it then said artegall that wrought and why do it declare unto me true a knight said he if knight he may be thought that did his hand in lady's blood imbrue and for no cause but as i shall you shew this day as i in solace sate hereby with a fair love whose loss i now do rue there came this knight having in company this luckless lady which now here doth headless lie he whether mine seemed fairer in his eye or that he waxed weary of his own would change with me but i did it deny so did the ladies both as may be known but he whose spirit was with pride upblown would not so rest contented with his right but having from his courser her down thrown from me reft mine away by lawless might and on his steed her set to bear her out of sight which when his lady saw she followed fast and on him catching hold gan loud to cry not so to leave her nor away to cast but rather of his hand besought to die with that his sword he drew all wrathfully and at one stroke cropped off her head with scorn in that same place where is it now doth lie so he my love away with him hath borne and left me here both his and mine own love to mourn a reed said he which way then did he make and by what marks may he be known again to hope quoth he him soon to overtake that hence so long departed is but vain but yet he pricked over yonder plain and as i marked bore upon his shield by which it's easy him to know again a broken sword within a bloody field expressing well his nature which the same did wield no sooner said but straight he after sent his iron page who him pursued so light as that it seemed above the ground he went for he was swift as swallow in her flight and strong as lion in his lordly might it was not long before he overtook sir sanglier so cleped was that night whom at the first he guessed by his look and by the other marks which of his shield he took he bade him stay and back with him retire who full of scorn to be commanded so the lady to a light did f require whilst he reformed that uncivil foe 
and straight at him with all his force did go who moved no more therewith than when a rock is lightly stricken with some stone is throw but to him leaping lent him such a knock that on the ground he laid him like a senseless block but ere he could himself recure again him in his iron paw he seized had that when he waked out of his wearless pain he found himself unwist so ill bestead that limb he could not wag thence he him lad bound like a beast appointed to the stall the sight whereof the lady sore adrad and feigned to fly for fear of being thrall but he her quickly stayed and forced to wend withal when to the place they came where artigall by that same careful squire did then abide he gently gan him to demand of all that did betwixt him and that squire betide who with stern countenance and indignant pride did answer that of all he guiltless stood and his accuser thereupon defied for neither he did shed that lady's blood nor took away his love but his own proper good well did the squire perceive himself too weak to answer his defiance in the field and rather chose his challenge off to break than to approve his right with spear and shield and rather guilty chose himself to yield but artigall by signs perceiving plain that he it was not which that lady killed but that strange knight the fairer love to gain did cast about by slight the truth thereout to strain and said now sure this doubtful cause's right can hardly but by sacrament be tried or else by ordeal or by bloody fight that ill perhaps mote fall to either side but if ye please that i your cause decide perhaps i may all further quarrel end so ye will swear my judgment to abide thereto they both did frankly condescend and to his doom with listful ears did both attend sith then said he ye both the dead deny and both the living lady claim your right let both the dead and living equally divided be betwixt you here in sight and each of either take his share aright but look who does dissent from this my reed he for a twelvemonth's day shall in despite bear for his penance that same lady's head to witness to the world that she by him is dead well pleased with that doom was sanglier and offered straight the lady to be slain but that same squire to whom she was more dear when as he saw she should be cut in twain did yield she rather should with him remain alive than to himself be shared dead and rather than his love should suffer pain he chose with shame to bear that lady's head true love despiseth shame when life is called in dread whom when so willing artigall perceived not so thou squire he said but thine i deem the living lady which from thee he reaved for worthy thou of her dost rightly seem and you sir knight that loves so light esteem as that ye would for little leave the same take here your own that doth you best beseem and with it bear the burden of defame your own dead lady's head to tell abroad your shame but sanglier disdained much his doom and sternly gan repine at his behest nay would for aught obey as did become to bear that lady's head before his breast until that talus had his pride repressed and forced him malgray it up to rear 
who when he saw it bootless to resist he took it up and thence with him did bear as rated spaniel takes his burden up for fear much did that squire sir artegall adore for his great justice held in high regard and as his squire him offered evermore to serve for want of other meet reward and wend with him on his adventure hard but he thereto would by no means consent but leaving him forth on his journey fard ne white with him but only talus went they two enough to encounter an whole regiment end of canto one recording by thomas copeland